0: This is the Women Your Mother Warned You About podcast, sponsored by Sales Gravy. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer and Director of Coaching Programs at Sales Gravy. Before we get started with this week's episode, I want you to go and check out Sales Gravy University. Sales Gravy University is the place where sales professionals and sales leaders from across the globe go to learn and upscale. And right now, if you're a brand new user and you've never used Sales Gravy University before, you can get your first course for free by using coupon code free course when you go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's coupon code free course when you go to learn.salesgravy.com. And hey, I've got several courses there that you can check out. So I hope to see you there. But let's go ahead and get started with this week's episode. News
1: coming Our way in a week's time, you will no longer be Gina Tremarco, or will you?
0: I will still be Gina Tramarco.
1: Good. Gina Tremarco Clotter. Gina Tremarco Clotter. You just want to keep your name being as long as possible. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) I will um we've discussed this and hey Warders, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About. This is how we roll It's just the two of us today. Me and my girl, Susanna Gray-Jones.
1: Hello. And that was me thinking we were going to plan what we were going to talk about today.
0: But... Yeah, no. I think we should just we should just roll. Because I know you have some ideas. I have some ideas. Sometimes the best ideas come from improvised ideas. I and, always
1: um, have ideas. And it feels I like... I know.
0: I love that about you. Thank You're you. so... Structured.
1: <laughs> I love a structure. A rigid structure.
0: I do. I, I love a structure as well, and I like it to come off as if it's not
1: <laughs> a structure.
0: Yeah, I will. Um, I will still be Gina Tramarco because that's my personal brand. But I will legally be Gina Clotter. But I'm going to keep the brand Gina Tramarco because. I've had this name for over 50 years, so... So,
1: for the listeners who wondered what we're speaking about, Gina <laughs> is getting married at the weekend. So excited! You know what?
0: By the time they hear this episode... Oh, it'll be a couple days after I got married. Ah, ah,
1: okay. There we go. Okay, there we go.
0: Just so you know, I'm I'm eating some popcorn right now just because I've had no time to take a break today, including breakfast, so... There you have it.
1: Well, you're busy and you're important, so that's allowed. Well,
0: more busy than important. Um, (laughs) That's kind of what we were just talking about before we hit the record button is... You know, we're both we're both hustling. I like hear a theme song every day. I'm hustling, hustling. <laughs> Maybe that should be the song for us to take the stage at Outbound. It
1: can be. It can be. And it's,
0: every day I'm hustling, hustling.
1: I think I knew we were going to men- mention Outbound today. I mean, it is so exciting, isn't it? I think you um, know, it's so exciting. And we are hustlers. We are hustlers. I mean, I don't you love it, and I I wonder if people who are in sales feel the same when you occasionally reach the bottom of that roller coaster. And then you think, oh, am I ever going to get there? And then literally all that hard work, you wake up the next day and you're working on so much stuff and you think I'm the best salesperson in the world. (laughs) And then you get down to the bottom because you got so happy being good. And this is not new. We all know this Jeb Blount's content, but that desperation roller coaster for me, I feel like I live on it. I don't feel like, I feel like I enjoy living on it.
0: (laughs) Well, this is what we this is what we talk about. Like, this is exactly this is exactly what Jeb Blunt talks about. What we teach at Sales Gravy is like the desperation roller coaster. One minute you are like on a high, and then you're not on a high. And I walked into a training today. It was like their first session that I launched, and I'm like, I was all jacked up, and I'm like. I'm not just jacked up on coffee. I'm jacked up because I
1: just closed two deals.
0: <laughs> yeah. I bet you told I was them so, too. What's
1: that? I bet you told them as well.
0: I did. I was like, hey, this is your first day of fanatical prospecting. And let me tell you, I just closed two
1: deals and this is what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it is what it's all about. And I bet you rocked that session. I did.
0: I was, again, I'm not sure if it was the coffee high or, or the fact that I closed two deals today, but that's, you know, that's what, that's what happens, right? Like you have days where you're like, oh my God, I'm just, I'm exhausted. All the things, trying to get all the things done, trying to prospect, try to close, try to finish creating courses. I'm saying that because Jeb's on me and I can't make any excuses because he doesn't accept them, but I've been so focused on my pipeline that I just keep, I just stay there and, and it's a high for me. I
1: love it. I love it. And that is why you're successful. And also because you don't need, although you appreciate Jeb um, giving you pressure, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. You get, oh my gosh. you get the fear, you get the panic. And that is to me, one of the things that differentiates average salespeople from elite salespeople is because, They get the fear or they have that drive, whether that comes from fear, that depends on the individual, but it's often that fear that that keeps them driving to that next stage. And I sometimes like to imagine, I like to imagine that I am going to be really poor and on the street. I know it's never gonna happen because I've saved up a lot of money. But if you imagine (laughs) if I don't close a few more deals, like or if I don't keep my pipeline, this could happen and stop
0: stop it wait a second no I'm sorry why are you imagining being poor on the street I just want to understand that concept
1: because that is what motivates me to have I have lived the kind of life I want you know I have a cleaner three times a week um I don't know if I should admit that
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) oh my gosh I'm so jealous I thought having a cleaner every other week was decadent (laughs)
1: And she makes my bed, all these nice things, does my ironing. Um, not that I look like I'm wearing iron clothes, but like I I live such an easy life, um, to to get on with what I want. To. And the, the minute that I lose my cleaner for a day or I can't do my washing at the laundrette, I become busy doing the things I don't want to do and I make less money. So that drives me. And I think it all ends if it all goes down to pot, then I'm sleeping on the street.
0: Well, I want to go back to I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to push. I'm going to challenge you on this. Go on. I get it. I hear what you're saying. But why not imagine yourself the opposite? Like I imagine myself with like several houses. I imagine like I imagine a different a higher life that I strive for mm. versus. Oh, gosh, I don't want to go there. You know what I mean like it's for me, I'm not judging maybe a little bit.
1: Judge away uh, because I also visualize those things as well,
0: um you know, I've- I mean, I just think it's a more positive mindset actually, my my fiance, which at this moment will be my husband when you hear this <laughs> he's so good at i I think I'm pretty positive, but he's like the epitome like you look up the word positive in the dictionary, and there's his face. I can't even say, oh my gosh, it was a hard day today. He's like, you're a motivational speaker. It's never a hard day. I'm like, right, (laughs) that's right. Don't tell anyone. (laughs) No, it's it's going to the positive side of it because I think that throws out a different energy.
1: Yeah, but I I like to think I've got both, you know, because I've got pictures everywhere, like positive affirmations of things I want to buy, things I want to do. For example, going to the Sales Gravy studios, seeing how professional it all looked and how cool the technology was, that was a massive motivator. And I constantly visualized those things. And on that, I'm a massive visualizer when it comes to something that I'm really nervous about. So I've been asked to do some recruitment training to 30 managers for one of the most successful agencies in London. And it's only 45 minutes. It should be really easy. But before I do it, I always think, imagine their faces looking like, wow, that was amazing. Or their faces being impressed by what you're saying. And I imagine it so deeply that when I'm actually on that stage or in that situation, I expect them to (laughs) smile and be like, wow. So What you're saying is, is that you've got to imagine the positive and think towards the positive instead of be afraid of the negative.
0: I think. Yeah, it's like, it's yeah, it's like an assumptive close. I'm going to assume I'm going to get the business. I'm going to assume you love me. I'm going to assume I'm going to have a
1: house in Italy. Yeah.
0: All the things. What
1: you put into the world and what you imagine you get out. And I, I agree with you, but I also have the fear. Do you have the fear? What are you scared of? You must have a something that you you worry about. Whether you're going to admit it at all on this podcast. Ah. <laughs> I know it's there. Mm-hmm. I know it's there. And I'm going to get it out of you. No. Come on, Gina. I mean,
0: we all have. I mean, I always fear not doing a good job. I always fear not doing the best job I can do mm-hmm. because that's going to have a negative impact. I mean, It's always there. I mean, it definitely has... A motivator. There's a motivator behind that fear, uh, but I do fear not doing a good job or not pleasing the client or the boss or the friend or the. I want to bring value to everybody, Mm so maybe maybe that's where the fear is. The fear is not bringing the value a hundred percent of the time, which
1: is not reality. It's not, it's not. And this is something that I've been thinking about a lot due to people that I've been coaching recently is sometimes it's okay. And we say it's okay to be good enough. It's okay mm-hmm. to be good enough. And what we often find with elite performers and top sales professionals is that they're always beating themselves up. And whether that's because of fear or because they don't feel that they're reaching that perceived degree of excellence or perceived visualization of what they want. I don't know, but you know, sometimes being good enough and living in the now is okay.
0: Well, yeah, I. And again, I think the the high performer, (laughs) the high performer's version of good enough is actually better than most people's average, Mm. in my opinion. Right, because Mm -hmm. we think we're doing mediocre, and other people are like, I can't, I can't. What do I can't keep up with you? How are you doing that? Like, I look at Jeb's energy. Like, I thought I had a lot of get up and go. But he's like the Energizer bunny. Like, I don't know where he gets it from. I do- like he is just non like it could almost be exhausting watching him.
1: It, it could be. It could be. It really could be.
0: At the same time, inspirational. Right. So and I think that's what high performers bring to the table for other people to lift them up and motivate them. If you're a competitive enough salesperson.
1: But energy spreads, it's contagious, it's infectious. And I think sometimes when you're watching Jeb, the reason you feel tired afterwards is because you've been through that journey with him. In the same way that if someone speaks in a monotone voice, I've seen a lot of very well-paid trainers, not with sales gravy, who have great content, but they say it in such a dull way. Notice how I'm trying to say this in a really excitable way, <laughs> but they say it in such a dull way that it just brings people with them. So you know, I think that's a big. Well, thing. That's a,
0: that's a good point too. We were um we were at a trade show last week. We were exhibiting at the Association of um, Training and Development, and someone came up to our booth. And this is ironic. It was another training company.
1: Ooh, competitor. Um, competitor. Uh,
0: not 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 really a competitor. Not really. Not not directly competing in our space not in sales but they had come up to the booth wanting more information and she's like you know we're a training company but our sales training that we get internally is not very good and they bring out an ex- they bring in an external trainer and i said what don't you like about that company and she said it's just the presentation is just so boring and the trainer is so boring It's hard to like stay focused. And there's, there's a lot to be said about that, right? There is. How do you engage?
1: There is. How do you engage with someone? And I think a lot of it is taking them on a journey with you, not being me and them. It's about us. And we're all going on this journey. I'm leading you on this journey. And it's not all about me. It's not all about me. That would be my answer to that. I don't even know if you are asking the question, but that's my answer. Don't you love it how, oh my gosh, trade show etiquette. I love trade show etiquette. When people, your competitors come and have a little snip around and they're like, hey, oh, how are you? And it's like, I know what you're doing. You're coming to suss out my brand and it's, oh, I see it all the time.
0: No, I'm happy you bring that up because... We were sussing out. I've never, that's a new you one. You were one Sus. of those people, sussing. We were sussing. You were sussing. Uh, yeah, I was sussing. I'm a salesperson. <laughs> so I was sussing out <laughs> the other competitors. And this is interesting because, you know, at Sales Gravy, it's like, I mean, we're, we're part of Outbound, right? We have all these other training companies involved. It's just our culture, right? Everybody, Everybody has something to offer and there's something for everybody. And that should be the mindset, and that has always been my mindset in the improv world and the entertainment world. Nothing made me crazier um, when I owned my comedy theater, where other entertain, like other theaters in the area, became so competitive. Even though we didn't directly compete, Mm. that they wouldn't like collaborate or share. And I'm like, hey, there's something for all of us. I can promote you. You can promote me. Like, why wouldn't we help each other? Because we all would make money that way. But people become so insecure with that. It's insecurity. Exactly.
1: It's insecurity. Exactly. So we're
0: sussing. So we're sussing out. And I'm walking the trade show floor with our marketing person and <laughs> sussing around. <laughs> sussing around. And we stop at one booth. And um I, I we're just kind of like checking it out. And I'm like, what do you do? And and I was sussing out for coaching kind of companies to see what they do. And he's like, oh, who are you with? And then he looks at our badges and he's like, oh, your competition. I just wish you would have, like, stayed home in bed today and didn't come here. No.
1: I swear to God. And I, okay. my, my
0: eyes popped. And I just looked at him, again, going to positive attitude. And I said, well, my attitude is always collaboration and i hope the best for you at this trade show yeah
1: yeah 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 so that's not what i'm saying by the way what i'm what i oh, what annoys me what are you saying? what am i saying <laughs> what annoys me is when, <laughs> when people are sussing <laughs> sussing out is when they come up to your stand they pretend that they're not looking and they pretend that they're just like hey and then they grab a sneaky freebie and they have a grab a seat <laughs> actually i think that's probably exactly what you were doing wasn't it <laughs>
0: No, because no, my point is is I'm overt about it. I'm not yeah. sussing. Yeah. I'm I mean I'm overt saying, Hey, yeah. I mean, it's a training conference. Yeah. Like everybody there is in some way related to training. Yeah. And of course people are gonna suss about. That's what
1: we that's what we all do. And let's let's share. And I think that's the thing, collaborative. And I think the way yes. that's one thing that I've learned. About sales gravy because I haven't been involved for as long as you, but how you've essentially got Jeb, who is probably one of the world's most renowned sales legends. I mean, he is. I'm not just saying that because he's Jeb Blount and he's our boss, but he is. Everyone knows about him. But he's also friends with all these other sales legends and they all chat and they all have a great time. And I think that's, that's how it should be. And we do it too on this podcast. But I've got a question for you. So instead of okay. a listener's question, Oh, gosh. There's, um, something that someone said to me today, two things actually, that I think are good topics for conversation. So first of all, when I'm potentially closing deals, I put it on my spreadsheet. So at the moment, I'm working on about thirty one k worth of deals. And someone said to me, Susanna, never put what you might close on your spreadsheet. And I said, Why not? Why not? And they said because it will hurt so much more. When you don't close them, but I'm like, but if I if I don't put them on, this is my own personal spreadsheet, by the way, not a database. But if I don't put them on, then I can't see what I'm working on, and if I can't see what I'm working on, then how do I know what's in my pipeline? But they were like, no, no, no. If you put it on the spreadsheet, it will get into a false sense of security. Only put it.
0: Who is this? Who is
1: this person? Only put it on the spreadsheet when you've no. closed it. Only. Put no, that's it. a fellow that's recruiter. Bullshit. A fellow recruiter. That's bullshit. Bullshit. So, no, and I agree with you. But I'm, I'm just wondering. You know, I always like to see what the people are coming, coming at. Like, is it true putting things onto your spreadsheet can get you into a false sense of security so that you stop prospecting? I think it depends on the individual.
0: Again, I go back to the positive side of things. Yeah, I have always been in, in, in my own business when I when I ran my own business. In what I'm doing right now, from a from a sales perspective. Anytime I've actually put a number down on anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some weird law of attraction thing kicks in and I always hit the number. Right. So I set a very specific goal for myself um, this year.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm ahead of my goal.
1: You will be when this episode comes out and you're a married lady.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, I'm ahead of my my sales goals that I set for myself. I mean, they're not like super stretch crazy goals, but I'm already ahead of what I did last year.
1: That's amazing.
0: So, but but I wrote it down. I put it on paper. And even on every deal that I don't know where the deal is going to end up. Here's another great point. I put down in my pipeline a certain number for a deal. And then I went into that presentation today and the number I came out with was almost double. Nice. So I disagree. I think I think you put the number down there and that stays in your, in your subliminal to work towards it. And let's just say the few times it didn't happen that I didn't hit that number or didn't get the deal. Hey, I, I need to put my deals in the pipeline to keep track of them. Otherwise, I forget. That's the only way I can stay on top of them. So that has to happen even if it's like barely a deal. Yeah. And it's okay if I if I miss the mark because then that becomes a learning. That doesn't become a that doesn't create a negative. That's like, okay, what did I do wrong in this deal?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think um The the, the example was in a recruitment state. So when someone's got an offer and they don't take it or they get counter-offered, a bit like imagine if, I don't know, I'm a javelin, I'm throwing a javelin and I've got a goal, but the wind gets in the way of that goal. And my aim was perfect. I was spot on target. I should have got it, but the wind got in the way. And if we dwell on the fact that the wind got in the way then essentially we'll we'll get negative. So I don't
0: I have got a comment yeah. for that. Go, Why go didn't you it. check the weather? Huh. Why I didn't you it. check the I weather and where was the wind sock?
1: Yeah. 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 But ultimately and, can you predict and can you predict the wind at every at every sense.
0: You can prepare for the wind.
1: You can try you can
0: prepare for the way I, I, you
1: know I love this I love this conversation because i'm by the way i I don't feel strongly either way i'm my spreadsheet remains i I remain putting things there because it makes me excited, it makes me excited about what I could do, but it, it intrigued me that this very, very successful person had this attitude, and it, it got me thinking
0: if it works for that person then.
1: God bless. That's awesome. I think it comes down to, doesn't it? Everyone has a different mindset and a different motivator, uh, motivational filters that get them going. Like for some people, it might motivate me to today to take everything off my list. And I'm like, woohoo, I'm winning. And to some people, no. I ticked everything off my list, but I didn't make any money. I guess it, it depends on you and what what your kind of learning style is. Well,
0: yeah. And I guess, you know, you could say if it motivates you to think of yourself being homeless, that <laughs> motivates you. <laughs> but, uh, that you don't want to go there.
1: <laughs> but we are different, right? And you, that's why we're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I hope like, you know, maybe one year, if you do see me on the street being homeless, you'll be like, see, (laughs) that's why I told you. (laughs) Don't visualize it. And you'll be standing on the corner and go, excuse me, (laughs) can I have some more? Can I have, can I have something to eat? Can I have some more? I do not speak like that. I don't know. Just just because I'm not as sassy as you, you know, just because I'm not as sassy as you. I, some more? <laughs> I wish I did speak like the queen, but unfortunately I don't, not yet anyway. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. By the way, you haven't asked me for an English word today and I've got, I've got an English. Uh, no, I have. No,
0: sus. What is this?
1: Sussing out. Yeah, but sus, I'm sure that's an American thing too, right? No, I've never I've heard, heard of sus. i you out. So mm-hmm. I want you to imagine that someone, think of someone in your mind who you don't quite trust and... She's kind of, she looks all innocent and sweet. There's something going on behind that exterior that makes you suspicious. So you're, you want to sus, oh. sus her out. I'm suspicious. Sus, so I'm suspicious. Okay. I only just realized that. Yeah, suspicious. So that wasn't my word. Sus. We can have that one this week. You're okay, just have no, to wait. Give me another. Give me another. Uh-uh, word. You have to wait. Go okay, on then. I, Go brought on
0: this, then. I, I brought this up to you in a message and you're like, what? And then I didn't have a time to talk about it. Go on. I don't know where I heard this. Somebody told me that the word "fanny" in the United States, when we say "fanny," it's like oh my old... gosh!
1: I I can't believe this. I was going to talk about fannies. <laughs> I was literally going to talk about this. So no, I mean I put this in a message and I put this in a
0: WhatsApp message to you <laughs> of what ah uh, I said fanny and, and I said like the, the word she said the word. Means something else. So then, what what we use it for? Because we use it for like your
1: rear end. We use it for not the rear end, the the other end,
0: a different
1: end. Well, y- you know, um, like the like the play the vagina Monologue. yes, the vagina. So, for example, I don't know where we're going yet, but I was wearing yeah. you know those bum bags that you have, and you keep like I keep my passport in them when you go on holiday. So I go to America. I've got a bum bag, which is essentially a bum bag. Yeah, a a bum bag. Why is it called a bum bag? You wear it on your belt, okay? And someone came up to me and said, "It's a very cute one, actually. It's got little pictures and little trees." And someone said to me, (laughs) "Someone said to me, (laughs) I love your fanny pack." And I'm like, (laughs) "Pardon? What What do do you mean? (laughs) Why?" And they were looking directly at my vagina, and I was like, "What do you (laughs) mean, fanny bag?" I was like, what do you want from me? Um, crazy lady. Well, I was thinking that. And it was my bum bag. And so come on then. What does Fanny mean to you? Fanny is bum. Okay. Well, Fanny is vagina to us. So
0: I know. That's what's so funny.
1: That could get confusing, couldn't it? If you were. I
0: know. <laughs> I'm like, I, um, I <laughs> forgot to put on pants. Because I had on my fanny. I don't.
1: <laughs> uh, you did not even want to know where my mind is going with this. Oh, oh my shattered nerves. Okay. Was there. Um, were there any questions?
0: <laughs> yeah. I know we were improvising this episode because.
1: Never again.
0: We both came. We came in. No, we came into the show book, book talking about our, our pipeline um, and how we were both like pumped up on things we were doing. So I just felt like we should go there. But do we have. Do
1: we have listener questions? We did, well, actually, we've got a scenario. This is called Susanna, okay. Susanna's Scenarios. Um, today. Susanna's Scenarios. Okay. <laughs> and I, it was a conversation I was having with someone, actually. And um, I preach the things I learn from fanatical prospecting because it works and it's been the birth of my career. But someone said something to me today and it got me thinking. They said, Susanna, why do you always... Tell the price at the end of the discovery. So we have discovery, we do our song and dance, we get the commitment, we win first, and then we give the price. That is what we do um, as elites, top performing salespeople, because we want to win first before we win the deal. So we want to win first emotionally and on principle before they sign the dotted line. Um, So price shouldn't even be an issue. Because you've won them over. That's what, we, that's what we teach. That's what we do. That's what we live. And it works. Now, uh, this person said to me, no, I never do that. This different person. And I said, why? <laughs> I said, why? And they said, because they said, if I go in with my rates straight away, I'm saving myself time because what I find is that I go on lots and lots of visits to see clients and I sell to them. And then at the end, they're like, yeah, we'll work with you. But by the way, we only work with 20% instead of 25%. We only work with 20%. And I said to him, I said to him, but you clearly didn't sell yourself well enough. You didn't, you didn't get it across. And they were like, no, they, they had a procurement team that just said, we always work at 20%. Um, so now I don't waste my time. I tell them at the very beginning, I only work for 25%. So I don't have to waste all that time um, going to see them and selling to them. I thought to myself, I know I disagree with this on so many levels. My question would be to you. Do you think there's anything in that? And if not, why? I know what I think, but I want to hear the genius remark. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, right, procurement's job is to get the best deal. That's their job, right? Somebody has got to watch the bank. But our job as salespeople is to uncover what the issue is. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think my reaction, my inside voice was, why that number? Why? Let's talk value here. And I would try to uncover what was important to them because our job is to show value. So that differential between 20 and 25 percent, there might be a vast difference of value that until you can get into a conversation and show the value to that stakeholder and then help them show the value to the stakeholder who's holding the purse strings that 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 would be my reaction. It's like that's apples to oranges. There's not a that's not a really fair comparison. And th- your job is to sell yourself for why you deserve twenty five percent versus twenty percent.
1: Yes. And if you're telling them in retrospect, then you're on the back foot. Whereas if you're telling them before and you're displaying that value, then you are simply repeating the why, so that they understand instead of it being news to them. So I, I'm in total agreement with you.
0: Yeah, Especially especially in your world, let's just say the average, is the average 20%?
1: Yeah, it is. Okay.
0: So let's just say, because say, I work with a lot of real estate people. So this comes up in real estate. Mm. They're real estate people that, you know, the standard is 6% commission, but they're agents that charge 9%, right? Outrageous, but they get it. Because they say, this is what you get for 9%. So why not come out swinging and say, you know what? Everybody charges 20%. I charge 25. And let me tell you why I charge 25. And what's going to be different in this experience going this way. People will always pay more for things that they see the value in. People almost are like, oh, why is that more? What am I missing? People would rather... I, I really believe people would rather have pay more than pay less because
1: mm-hmm.
0: if you're paying less, you start to go, mm, what's wrong with this picture? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's like those perfume copies you get, isn't it? Like I'm a massive fan of Tom Ford, Tobacco Vanille. And one of the supermarket stores came out with what they claim to be exactly the same. Now, the real thing, 150 pounds or dollars, if you like. And the, the thing in the supermarket, about three three dollars and what is this what did you call this tobacco vanille it's a lush lush scent and it's tom ford and it's um it's it's expensive but it's worth it and anyway this supermarket one apparently it was the same but the point is is that i didn't even want to go and check it out because i wanted the real thing and i because you start
0: to you start to doubt it like the first thing that went into my mind when you were talking about this i'm like All right, what's wrong with it if it's three pounds? (laughs) My guess is it doesn't last very long Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: or it's not as strong or I don't, I don't know.
1: It's value. So you can see Gina's been reading Inked a lot recently, so (laughs) (laughs) which is another great book to read for any readers out there.
0: Or teaching it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So come on, tell me. I'm actually interested to know as I'm allowed to improvise in this, um, this rogue session other than jeb blount who we we adore tell me what's the best sales read recently for you what would you say has been a game changing sales read
0: i don't know if i would say what's the best read because you know i live and breathe jeb blount right now mm-hmm. um but i did just get i did just read um jeff shores um 4 by 2 book. It's sales. It's, it's sales in real estate and it's sales for real estate people. And I read it because I deal with a lot of real estate mm-hmm. people and they, a lot of them follow Jeff Shore and, and he he focuses on real estate. That's his mm-hmm. his niche. So I wanted to understand his teachings because they are working with me as well as him in some cases. So uh-huh. I want to be complementary to the content in some ways. or the biggest challenge that I run into when I'm training people is if they're they've used other trainers or are using other trainers, and then there's some like conflict between the teachings, yes. so I have to um be able to manage that. But what I really what I really liked about. And I actually listened to the book, but I also bought the book. He talks about when buyers, like okay, these are home buyers, mm-hmm. when home buyers are on the fence, mm-hmm. and you're trying to talk them off the fence, mm-hmm. right? That was his phrase. He's like, "What you really need to find out is why they're on the fence in the first place,"
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and that really comes down to the why. Yeah, and and this is something that um. I read years ago, here's another good read. This is in, um, I'm totally blanking. It comes Oh, lean. Okay. So like lean manufacturing, right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. it's based on the concept of lean manufacturing, but it's, it's that mindset of lean manufacturing in the entrepreneurial world. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. It's
0: probably called lean entrepreneur. I can't remember, but they, they talk about drilling down the why. Mm. Right. And when you're dealing with customers getting down to you ask why not once, but five times. Mm. Okay, so you don't like this. Why? And then and then you ask them the why based on that. And you just keep drilling down, which is something that we do in improv Mm
1: -hmm.
0: when we're trying to find the core to the comedy of why people are laughing or why they're responding. It's like, why did they do that? why did they do that why did they do that mm. so that was really his his core foundation on why are why are they on the fence in the first place and stop asking discovery questions that are like you know how many bedrooms do you want and what street do you want to live in and what kind of amenities do you have and that's that and all salespeople fall into that they fall into those logistical kind of discovery questions instead of really getting deep into the emotionality behind the buyer Right. And that was my biggest struggle with buying a house, too, yeah. because they all have like some level of PTSD. Like we just found out our house has been delayed. I'm not shocked and I'm not reacting. Oh, yeah. There are no there are no windows available. This is what we're up against right now. But salespeople in that world are just in defensive mode immediately instead of digging deeper with the buyer. Yes. To find out like, why do you, why do you have to move right now? Yes. Why can't you wait
1: the three extra months? And then the information comes out and what's most important to them opposed to, I want three bedrooms because you asked me because they're choosing and picking out the information that they give you.
0: Yeah. It's like as, as the salesperson paint the picture and take them on the journey, but you have to dig deeper because sometimes they don't even know their own answers. Mm. Right. Like when I said, I'm really looking for more than three bedrooms. Mm. I was waiting for them to ask me why. Mm. Well, it's just you, your husband, your, your fiance and your stepson and you, and and you want five bedrooms. Yeah. I want five bedrooms. Ask me why. Right. So what I really want is enough space to work from home. Right. So I didn't didn't necessarily need five bedrooms. Um, I could have had a house with a bonus room. I could have turned a dining room into a studio. I could have like find out what's important to me and then come back to me with the solutions. Right. The, the buyer is just saying, "I need five bedrooms." What the buyer is not saying is, "I need space for all these other things. I need space for my stepson to game, and I need space to work, and I need a man cave." Right? Like, I need space. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's so true, and everything that you're saying relates beautifully to the recruitment as well. So, I don't want to be micromanaged. Why do you want to be micromanaged? Why? And, and sometimes you can get some awesome information about that individual. And it could be information that tells you that this is a bad candidate because I keep getting in trouble for being late. Well, there we are. <laughs> you know, it's, um, there's so much to that, and it sounds like a great book. Um, there's there's one that I have been told now by three people that I must read, and it's um, Antonio, Ant- Antonio, Anthony, Anthony, our outbound guy, elite sales. Wait, wait,
0: wait, Victor Antonio or Anthony and Marino? Anthony Ian Marino. Okay,
1: Anthony, he's
0: going to be on the show.
1: Is he? Amazing. Oh,
0: gosh, I I can't wait for you to experience. I can't wait for you to experience, Anthony. It's going to be funny to watch that.
1: I can't wait. So Elite Sales Strategies, the latest book, people are saying is awesome because it talks about being on the upper hand and being on the lower hand, looking at your client base, where you are on the upper hand and how you can use that, but also on the lower hand. So I've had so many people just WhatsApp me about this book um, that I cannot wait to read it. And he's a friend of ours. So,
0: yeah. I know. Thanks for the reminder because I've been meaning to read it. It's on my list. I've got several books to read um, that have come my way. I Oh, I missed you the other day. I interviewed someone and he sent me his book, 99 Objections. It's Ooh. like this huge book. Um, his episode aired last week. And I've got a ton of books to read. But Anthony is always fun yes. to have on the show. Yeah. And I can't wait for you to experience his dry sense of humor. I can't
1: wait. I won't be, I won't be missing any more. I hate uh, missing these. And before I know it, another blonde will step in. So I need to uh, <laughs> up up my game, up my game in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You're doing good. You're doing good.
0: Do we have any other questions? Yes, we do. Questions? Yes, we do.
1: Gina's trying to stop us uh, digressing into uh, banter. Right. What do we no, have? No, I'm not stopping. As people love our show, the way it is. Uh huh. So I'm, I'm afraid I'm being quite selfish again, and I'm bringing up a recruitment one, but I think it's very relevant. No, good, do to it. everyone. So I work in recruitment, um, and I'm closing deals, but I am also getting a lot of no shows to interviews. People not showing up. So you get that passive candidates commitment. You think you've got them booked in for an interview tomorrow at nine thirty. And then it gets to 9.45 and the client calls and says they haven't shown. That happens all the time in recruitment. And I have some great advice on this, but as... I want to know. I want to hear your advice. Ah, okay. Fine. So I think this is all based on how assertive you are from the beginning. So when I'm speaking to candidates, I will always say to them, look, whatever happens... I need to know if there's a reason now that you can't make that interview at 9.30 tomorrow because I have about five other candidates who are interested in this role. So if there's any possibility, any possibility at all that you cannot be there at that time, I need to know now. And I say it that directly and that assertively. And I can honestly say for, mm-hmm. for a year and two months, I have never had no show to an interview it just hasn't happened and it's simple is having that conversation but also making sure that you've got the control from the beginning so that that candidate doesn't feel that you're just another recruiter getting their trust giving them time and when I say that so many recruiters will just speak on the phone and interview and off you go to interview you meet them build that emotional connection because if you don't have that then well frankly they why shouldn't they ghost you Mm -hmm. so that's my thoughts on it
0: well, it's like it's like ghosting in general in sales, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't communicate enough value for them to show up, it's, it's like any prospecting call that we set. Um, and I've done this, too, with people who have ghosted mm-hmm. because I really have very little patience with that. It it is probably my biggest pet peeve. Um, and I'll take the blame for some of it if I didn't confirm it or I forgot to confirm it. Um, but I can also sense, sometimes I could sense like, actually, I kind of appreciate the no-shows and not, I appreciate them and they kind of, um, they weed themselves out of being a good client. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, this has happened where, um, I was just going back through all of our, like our coaching leads and looking at everybody's progress, including yours. and. I see, oh, this this one never happened. Because Jeb's asked me, do you know why for every single one? And I do. Like, this one blew off three appointments where she was a no-show three times. This has happened twice, where they were a no-show three times. And their reasons were like, oh, the calendar didn't remind me I had to be there. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't seem to, I don't know why I didn't see it. Or I forgot about, I'm like... You know what you're really not ideal because if you're this much work up front, you're gonna be a lot of work mm-hmm. later. So I think ghosting also if whether it's ghosting of a, a candidate not showing so as a recruiter, everything you said, plus what value have you conveyed to that candidate to really get them excited to show up mhm mm-hmm. right like That's part of your job as a recruiter. And I've also seen this in recruiting for the small amount of time that I was in recruiting. Sometimes as recruiters, we would go after, you know, you're trying to find people for an opening and you're chasing people down and it's like selling. And those people really don't want to interview for another Mm -hmm. job. But to get rid of you, they will say yes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then not show up. I mean. I could be wrong there, but that's also about pre-qualifying your
1: candidates, I think. Yeah, I mean, if you've spent, they're usually interested if you get them on the phone. And I always say for a minimum of 45 minutes, minimum, um, and get all that info. If they haven't given you that, then they probably won't show up. You haven't got their commitment. Um, And getting that emotional connection with them is key. And you will add value because thankfully for us great recruiters, there are so many bad recruiters out there not doing it that you were outshine at the top and critical listening, which is what I always well, say.
0: think about it. Um, you know, they could get cold feet and not show because all of a sudden they slept on it. They went home. Their spouse is like, I don't know. Things are good at the job you're, you're having. Why? Why would you want to go change now? and put an english accent on all of that and this is you know and, and then the the morning comes and they're like you know what i'm going to stay in the status quo i don't want to mm,
1: change mm, yeah yeah yeah
0: that could be another
1: it, piece of it, it. it can happen i mean one thing one thing that i would say um about people it it We talk about the because statement a lot in any kind of sales pitch that you do over the phone. We have a great framework because and that because should always be, what are you doing for your best customers? And it's the same with recruitment. What are you doing for the people that you've headhunted in the most successful way? So you're improving their lives. You're giving them a 10% pay rise. You're giving them the progression that they didn't think even existed. So you've always got to make sure that you are, are showing that value in a because statement early on. So anything that you find in fanatical prospecting is relatable by the sounds of it to real estate from what you were saying, but also to, mm-hmm. to, to recruitment. Um, you can translate yeah. it into, into many sales and you're selling, you're, you are a salesperson as a recruiter. Um, and, and you are in real estate.
0: 100%. I, um, I was talking to a recruiter a couple of weeks ago who was potentially interested in coaching and and I feel kind of bad for that person because, you know, of course, they're like, oh, no, I can't spend this money. And um, and that was one of those situations where I told you what my response is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My response is, when you're ready to up-level your game, let me know. <laughs> Right? And that might sound a little cocky, but I want them to think about it because I want them to get out of the fear mm. that they're in over the investment. But that's also my way to test them to see if they're truly committed. And And I felt kind of bad for him because... He was a recruiter and he, he he was not a salesperson and he said that. He's like, I'm not a I'm good at recruiting. I like to recruit. I don't like to sell. But he just started his own recruiting business. Ooh. And I'm like, dude, you have to sell. You're it. Like there's no one selling for you.
1: You have to sell. You can't just recruit. Mm. And that's the problem. Many people get by recruiting in a very delivery type way, but you will never excel as a Superstar recruiter, unless you sell. And if you are surviving, then you are selling. You probably just don't realize it. (laughs) Yeah. Ooh. (laughs) I've got some very weird would you rathers today. Okay. Bring it. What do you want? Do you want weird? Do you want short and sassy or what?
0: Well, you're going to answer first this time. So you pick.
1: Ooh. There's some weird ones. Okay. Okay. Would you rather find a rat in your kitchen or a roach in your bed? (laughs) Who writes these? (laughs) Not me. Oh, my God. I know what I would rather find. You have to answer first. (laughs) Yeah. I think I would rather find a roach in my bed. Because I just get rid of that quickly, whereas the rat... You never know. I mean, you can't really get rid of a roach problem quickly, but at least it's not in the stuff that I eat. I probably would be put on my food if I had a rat. Uh, what about you?
0: Well, I have experienced both of these scenarios. So, <laughs> so here in South Carolina, we have these things called palmetto bugs. Now, it's kind of funny because the um, pest control was just here and they're here once a quarter. Oh, they are what they are. They're, they're they they're not like typical cockroaches, right? That you can they're not they're not coming in because like you have a dirty house. They're just these giant. They they fly too, and they're huge. Oof. And um, but they're they're cockroaches, ah. but they they they're coming in from the outside. So what's scary is when they start flying because that freaks the hell out of Ooh. me because they're like little birds almost <laughs>
1: yeah but um but look like them i said what i think you they?" you can
0: are. yeah they i i can get rid of a cockroach so i but i have in the last place that i was living in uh, temporarily um and while i was getting divorced there was a rat in there Ooh. Ooh. and it freaked the heck out of they're me really big well huge and um I was so, I was that like a cartoon. I was a woman standing on a table. And it was such a, you want me to share some personal, like here's some personal as I am about to, or am at the moment, you're listening to this married. Um, I had just moved into this place because you have to physically separate for 12 months in South Carolina, even begin a divorce. And wow, my husband at the time, Right. We were like trying to be as amicable as possible. And he was bringing some stuff over to this place I was living in. And literally before he arrived, there's this rat and I'm standing on the table and he walks in and I just start screaming at him because I'm like, there's a rat and you are going to help me get rid of it because it's your fault that I'm <laughs> in this situation right now. And he ooh, it was like, it was probably the most bonding moment we ever had in our marriage, even though we we're getting divorced. How he do you help me get rid of that rat? But it was, you know, it just happened to get, but I was terrified. I'm like, did it have
1: babies? Are there going to be more rats? Um, Yeah, sometimes these, oh yeah, these, that's my biggest fear, mice. You know, the way they just scurry around and it's like, but they get everywhere and to get rid of them is so hard. I can do spiders. I can have a spider for anyone. But a,
0: I'd rather have a mouse than a rat. Wow. And with that, <laughs> as a sales podcast. We've had fun. We've had fun. <laughs> I hope Would you have. Would you rather be a cockroach or a rat? <laughs> okay, how about that? We'll
1: wait till next time. We've got some good ones coming up.
0: Well, this was a fun episode all over the place. We hope that you um, took a lot of nuggets. I think there were a lot of nuggets in this episode. What do you think?
1: I think there were some great Gems. nuggets. I always learn from you, Gina Tramarco. You are, are a pleasure to co-host with. And I always learn from you, Susanna Gray Jones. <laughs> Thanks, I totally appreciate that. So cool, so cool. I love your fanny pack. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh gosh, we gotta go! Thanks for listening to this episode of "The Women Your Mother Warned You About." Brow- <laughs> Brought to you by Sales Gravy and SalesGravy dot University. Go check us out: WomenYourMotherWarnedYouAbout website update coming soon <laughs> as my fiance's like, her husband now, is ah! like, uh, he's like, update the website. I'm like, I know, I know. We just got the pictures back. So uh, go check married. us out there or <laughs> or go check us out at com. All right. I got to go. You got to go. We got to go. Goodbye, Susanna. Goodbye. Okay.
1: Goodbye. <laughs> We are different, right? And (laughs) that's why we're hilarious.